This is Boston Scott, and you're listening to the Birds Banter Podcast. I'm living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen do it. Screams from the haters, got a nice ring to it. I guess every superhero need his theme music. No one man should have all that power. The clock's ticking, I just count the hours. Stop tripping, I'm tripping off the power. What is going on, Eagles Nation? Welcome to the latest episode of the Birds Banter Podcast. This is your host, Matt Loopy. And again, this show is presented to you by PHL Sports Nation. Check out phlsportsnation.com and PHL Sports Nation on Twitter to make sure that you're up to date on all of your Philadelphia sports needs. Again, this is the Birds Banter Podcast. This podcast can be reached to you on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, you name it, we're on there. Make sure you check us out and subscribe on your favorite platform. The Eagles are now 0-2-1 after the tie with the Cincinnati Bengals in Week 3. Um, Eagles end up tying with Joe Burrow and the Bengals. It was a really, really rough game to watch again. I know I've been you know, a little bit down on this podcast the last two weeks because they're coming off of a loss against Washington, a loss against the Rams. But it seems like the problems are not getting better and then new problems are starting to arise. Injuries are not slowing down as well. So we're going to give you guys a full look at some of the issues right now. We're going to talk all about Carson Wentz, talk all about Doug Peterson. We're going to talk about the cornerbacks. We're going to talk about Hakeem Butler, who they just signed, who I'm going to be talking about. I'm very excited about that signing. And we're going to give you a preview versus the 49ers. So buckle up. We've got a lot of content coming your way. First things first, we're going to be talking about number 11, Carson Wentz, the face of the franchise, the future quarterback, franchise quarterback. Everybody expected great things out of Carson Wentz this season, rightfully so. I was one of those people included in it, and I know Carson Wentz gets a lot of hate from around the league for his injury history and you know fumbling issues, but I think everybody, all NFL fans can agree that you know, he is a top quarterback in the league when he's playing at his potential and when he's healthy. Right now, we are not seeing top caliber quarterback play out of Carson Wentz. In fact, we're seeing bottom of the league quarterback play statistics-wise. He has six interceptions through two games, not many touchdowns. I mean, he is struggling on almost every single drive that he is on the field for. It's, it's painful to watch the regression in Carson Wentz. So we're going to talk about why is he struggling. Number one. His accuracy is just off. It's way off. We've seen it in week one. We saw it again in week two, and we definitely saw it in week three. Carson Wentz is missing so many throws. Even if the receivers are catching them, you know, they're not always on the money. He's missing out on so many yards after catch, so many completions that he's missing because he's just not throwing the ball accurately. First, uh, you know, situation I'm going to tell you guys about, I'm sure you all remember the interception that Carson Wentz threw against the Bengals, not the first one. The first one was a tipped ball. Honestly, I don't think it should have been thrown either way. But um, the first ball was tipped, intercepted, and um, it was intended for Deshaun Jackson over the middle of the field. Okay, we'll move on from that. The second interception was terrible, and I'm going to post a video. It, when you're listening to this, it's already going to be up on uh, Bird's Banter social medias on Instagram and Twitter, breakdown of the play because it it intrigues me how poorly executed this play was. Carson Wentz throws his Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz is working on the right side of the field in the slot. 
you know, because Dallas Goddard was injured and the Eagles didn't have a lot of receivers in the game, they're running a system where Zach Ertz is lining up all over the field. This time he's in the slot. They have three receivers to the left of the offensive line. Zach Ertz runs, you know, a little post route, and he is going to try to get a back shoulder throw from Carson Wentz. You know, he gets a separation. He starts looking back for Wentz as soon as Wentz throws the ball. Now, I know touch throws, back shoulder throws aren't really what Carson Wentz is known for. He's more known for, um, you know, his deep ball, uh, which is lacking this year. But um, his deep ball in the past, but also just rifling the ball in, throwing it super fast, super hard, right into a tight window. His touch throws haven't really been that great since he entered the league. Anyways, all he needs is a little touch, back shoulder to Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz had the leverage. He had the size on the defensive back. He was going to make that catch. Instead, Carson Wentz throws almost a back shoulder to the Bengals cornerback or whoever was covering him, linebacker, safety, whatever it was. I have to go back and look. And I urge you as you're listening to this, go to Bird's Banter on Instagram or Bird's Banter on Twitter and watch this play as I'm speaking because it'll make a lot more sense. Carson Wentz is looking for Zach Ertz. Throws the ball. When Zach Ertz is facing Carson Wentz, this ball has to be placed on the outside of his left shoulder towards the sideline. Easy catch for, for Ertz. Like I said, he has the leverage. He has the size advantage. Instead, Wentz throws this, not just to the right side of Ertz, to the right side of the defender. The defender had a turn to make this play. I mean, it, it was so poorly thrown that uh, it was probably the easiest interception that this defender is going to have in his career. I mean, when you're running that route with a tight end or wide receiver or whatever, and you see them make that route and start making a progression, you know it's going to be a back shoulder throw. You know you're going to have to regain a lot of ground and try to jump in front of the ball and make a play. He didn't even have to jump. He just turned around, ball's right in front of him. Turned to his right a little bit, picked it off. Easy play, easy play. Um, that was one of the poorest decisions. I mean, it was it was a good decision because Ertz had the, uh, the leverage, but one of the poorest throws I've seen from Carson Wentz his entire career with the Eagles. I mean, that, that, that says a lot. And later in the game, in overtime, Carson Wentz dropped a dime to Zach Ertz. I don't want to be all negative on Carson Wentz because he did so show some promise, um, especially scrambling for that touchdown. That was very 2017-esque. I, I was glad to see him regain some confidence and get back moving the ball down the field himself. However, you know, the one good throw he had, his best throw of the season in overtime, still wasn't enough to win the game, still wasn't enough to put points on the board. Wentz is playing so poorly that no matter what he does positively, it's not outweighing it. He's not playing good enough to outweigh the negatives yet. So the interceptions, the fumbles, the incompletions, they're all adding up, and the Eagles are 0-2-1 as a result. I want to talk a bit about the coaching influence. And this is going to, we're going to talk about Doug Peterson a little bit later. But um, so going back, you know, Doug Peterson this offseason, they're looking for an offensive coordinator. They say they want to bring in um, an outside mind. That's what Jeffrey Lurie wanted, the owner. He wanted to bring in a talented offensive coordinator from outside the organization to bring in new ideas. Couldn't really find anyone. Whoever they wanted just wasn't working. So Doug Peterson takes it upon himself. He's going to be the play caller. He's going to be the offensive coordinator. He's going to be the head coach. Three different roles in this offense. Big roles. 
So Doug Peterson handling everything, which is all good and well because you look at Doug Peterson, you say, hey, he won a Super Bowl for us. He can do whatever he wants. That's how Eagles fans have treated him in the past couple of years. However, Eagles start bringing in a bunch of different offensive minds, offensive gurus, they said, um, these experts about you know running the ball better, spreading the offense better, being more creative, bringing in these outside ideas, something that the Eagles lacked. They lacked creativity last year. They lacked creating space on offense, putting the receivers in motion, putting the tight ends in motion, putting the running backs in misdirections. The Eagles did not have any of that, so they brought in all these new coaches. I have not seen a play this season where I can say, hey, I don't know which new coach made that play, but somebody new put that in Doug Peterson's ear. I haven't seen it. I don't know if Doug is just not taking input from them or if they're just not as good as they were supposed to be at um, making up plays and schemes, but it's non-existent. The most creative that they've been so far is by putting Jalen Hurts on the field, and even that is kind of bland. I mean, they haven't done much with Jalen Hurts other than one read option, got him a first down, whoop-de-doo, he got three snaps that game against the Bengals. Didn't really do anything positive for the team. It's still the same run plays, still the same screens, a deep ball here and there. It, it, it's so scripted from the Eagles. So I think what is happening is Doug Peterson is trying to cancel out a lot of these coaches. They're probably coming to him with all these ideas, and Peterson has an issue with power. He is looking at his role with the team and with the offense as the offensive coordinator, the play caller, and the head coach. And he's thinking to himself, I can handle it on my own. I can do it. If there's struggles, I can make up for it. So you got a guy like Rich Scangarello, who they brought in, supposed to be this amazing coach. Rich might be coming to Doug Peterson and saying, hey, I have something that could help us. Doug listens to him. Hey, this is great. We get to game day. We don't see it. Not even a hint of it. So I don't know. I, I'm not in the um, the coaching rooms and the coaching meetings to see what the the vibe is and how Doug Peterson is handling this. But there's a lot of minds in that room. And Doug Peterson seems to be the one with the final say, and he's going with his own opinion. And I'm sure these coaches are talking a lot to Carson Wentz as well. So I would imagine that Doug Peterson is canceling these coaches out, and then the coaches are going to Wentz, and they're saying, hey, try this, try this, try this. All of a sudden, you got four or five coaches on top of Doug Peterson in your ear telling you to do different things. And then Carson Wentz gets on the field, and he's got 10 different options between what he's been told. You know, he, he might be told, hey, make sure you look for this out route here, but also you might want to run the ball to Sanders. Also, make sure your mechanics are right. His mind is flustered. It's causing him to make poor decisions and play very, very poorly on Sundays. So I think Carson Wentz is struggling a little bit with too much power because he's a very, uh, you know, type A personality player. He wants to be in charge. He wants to have control. Then all of a sudden, everybody's telling him what to do. And then he gets into the huddle. I'm not sure if he's listening to them or if he's coming up with his own stuff, but whatever's going on, it's not working. So there, there's definitely some coaching issues on top of Wentz's accuracy and uh, his mechanics issues that he's already dealing with. I want to talk a bit about Jalen Hurts. I mentioned this on the Instagram Live Monday night, something that stood out to me after Sunday when I watched the Eagles play and then I watched um, you know, Sunday Night Football with the Packers and the Saints. Packers are playing really well. Aaron Rodgers 
looks phenomenal out there. When the Packers drafted Jordan Love in the first round, Aaron Rodgers, everybody knew he was going to be upset. Why would they draft a quarterback? They have Aaron Rodgers, who's, you know, he's getting up there in age, but he still has a few good seasons left in him. And everybody across the media was saying, Aaron Rodgers is going to play pissed off all season. It's just his, his mentality, it's his persona. He's going to make sure that they know they have five more years of Aaron Rodgers and they just wasted a first-round draft pick on Jordan Love. Jordan Love's not going to see the field. Carson Wentz is in a similar situation. The Eagles go out out, out of nowhere. I mean, you can kind of predict the Packers looking for a quarterback because Rodgers is older and they have a new coach coming in. But the Eagles, that wasn't even on the list. I know they want to draft quarterbacks, but late in the late in the draft, guys like Clayton Thorson that they drafted last year, they draft a quarterback in the second round in Jalen Hurts, and a good quarterback too, someone that's adapting to the new kind of NFL with Lamar Jackson coming in and having success, dual-threat quarterback. So all of that added up. You look at Aaron Rodgers and you're saying he is on a revenge tour this season. Nobody really said the same about Carson Wentz. I mean, some did. But it's not like you looked at Wentz and you're saying he's going to have a career year. He is going to tear it up, make sure that Jalen Hurts is scared out of his mind in Philly that he's never going to see the ball. He's never going to get a snap. That's what you want Carson Wentz to feel like. That You want him to have that competitive nature in him. And I'm sure he does. I'm sure he's very competitive. But I'm not seeing on the field. On one hand, again, very similar situations. On one hand, I'm seeing Aaron Rodgers ball out, make the most of it, put up crazy stats, have the, one of the best starts to his a season in his career. On the other hand, Carson Wentz, the worst start to a season in his career. The worst he's ever played as an NFL quarterback. The worst the Eagles have played in multiple years. It's painful to see that Carson Wentz can't make the adjustments, can't improve, and can't compete especially with a second-round pick waiting in the wings, who, in my opinion, should be getting on the field more than he is right now, especially given Carson Wentz's uh, you know, blunder so far. My take on Wentz right now is I believe in him. I think he can get better. I've seen a lot of promise from him, but it starts with coaching. you got to you know, simplify the playbook, get back to the basics, make him confident in his play-calling abilities again. Number, number two, he's lacking a lot of weapons. So make sure he gets comfortable throwing to guys like Greg Ward, Deontay Burnett, Zach Ertz over and over again. In practice, you're just running, making sure that chemistry is intact. If Deshaun Jackson is going to be back and healthy from that hamstring injury, make sure he is involved in the deep passing game because Carson Wentz is going to gain a lot of confidence from that. My third take on Carson Wentz, and this kind of relates to the game on Sunday against the 49ers coming up, if Carson Wentz has another slow start to the a slow start to the game, you know, no points on the board, um, incompletions, maybe an interception thrown in there, you have to put Jalen Hurts on the field. You can split snaps with them. You can keep them both on the field at the same time, but you have to incorporate Hurts more than three plays before halftime. If Carson Wentz is struggling, that way he feels the pressure. When when he's back under center, he wants to make the most of it because he doesn't want Jalen Hurts to get back on the field. So it kind of creates that competitive nature that you lacked from Carson Wentz. If we get into the third quarter and the Eagles are losing, Carson Wentz has about two interceptions. I'm going to call it two two interceptions. If he has two interceptions by the end of the third quarter, I am benching Carson Wentz. Words that I don't think I would 
ever imagine saying, I am benching Carson Wentz. And I'm doing this for the better of the team. I'm not doing it to punish Wentz. Actually, kind of I am. Because, you know, in life, there's there's no such thing as discipline without punishment. It's in the definition. If you look up the word discipline, punishment is in the definition. So if you want to discipline Carson Wentz to be a better quarterback, make better decisions, make better choices, throw in the football, not having careless turnovers, not fumbling the ball, what, 40 times in 51 games or something absurd like that, 51 fumbles, I think it was. If you're trying to get him to change, you need to punish him by benching him. He is going to understand that he has pressure. I'm going to title this podcast, Feel the Pressure, Carson. It's there. It should be there. Doug Peterson, put him on a short leash. Call him out in press conferences. Do what you have to do to get the most out of your quarterback. And I think that starts with benching number 11 if he's struggling heavily towards the end of the game. Get Jalen Hurts in there. Even if Jalen Hurts loses the game, I don't care. Carson Wentz sitting on the sideline is going to say by next week, all practice, this is my team. I need to quarterback this team all four quarters. He hasn't felt pressure like that his entire career. He's regressing right now. Now is the time to capitalize on it and have him show the franchise and the fans that he is the quarterback for the organization of the future. One last thing about Carson Wentz. I talked about him and Doug Peterson here so far. Both are to blame for some of the issues with the Eagles. I know there's a lot of people to blame, but Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson are at the forefront, in my opinion. So what it comes down to, and you know, few teams in the league struggle with this, having a quarterback with crazy amount of success early in his career, have this kind of regression in year five, same with the head coach, crazy amount of, amount of success early in his career, and then regress in year five. The Eagles are put into a situation where if they continue to fail and regress as a team, do you blame Carson Wentz or you or do you blame Doug Peterson? And I agree you have to blame both, but if you want to make a change in your organization at the end of the season between the two of these, uh, you know, your quarterback or your head coach, in my opinion, you can't pick both. So who are you going to pick? I'm going to give my take on this early. And I'm not saying the Eagles are going to trade Wentz or fire Doug, either or. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But if it does, I want to put this out there right now so you guys can start to think how the Eagles might think. I think Doug Peterson is on a shorter leash than Carson Wentz for a few reasons. Number one, being that Carson Wentz is more financially tied to the Eagles right now. Signed a huge contract. If the Eagles get rid of him, release him, they're losing about $60 million in dead cap space. It's a lot of money to deal with. They're not going to be in any contention for the next three years if they release Carson Wentz. Yes, you can trade him. I still think he's worth a first-round pick, but you know, if, if people are scared of his regression this year, you can only get a second or a third out of him, which I think is, is still too little. I don't think teams are going to offer that low of a, um, a return for Carson Wentz, but say that happens, those are the offers you get. You're not optimizing the value because the Eagles trade a lot to get Carson Wentz on the team. You're not getting the same in return. Doug Peterson, after 2017, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, John DeFilippo left, Frank Reich left. His two best offensive coaches 
that he's had in Philly, 2016-2017. They helped a lot. He replaces them with Mike Groh, Deuce Staley. He's he's, uh, promoted, like I said, this year in 2020. They bring in a lot of offensive gurus, offensive like-minded coaches to enhance the offense, which really hasn't been working at all. Doug Peterson has regressed every single year since the Super Bowl. 2018, they stuck in the playoffs. 2019 was even worse. 2020, they're without a win through three games. I know we all look at Carson Wentz as, you know, the forefront of the issues right now because we see him on Sundays missing the throws, throwing interceptions, taking sacks, fumbling the ball. But what about Doug Peterson? We don't know what's going on inside. I have a hard time believing that Carson Wentz magically, over one offseason, went from one of the best quarterbacks in the league to one of the worst. But it doesn't happen, and he's showing no promise of um, bouncing back in, in the next week. I think there's a coaching issue. I think he's not getting the accountability he needs right now. I don't think he's getting the um, mechanics coaching that he needs right now. Doug Peterson, he's a, he's a good coach, but look at his NFL background. He's a career backup. It's not like he you know, excelled at the game at a high level. He doesn't have extreme coaching experience. He was in the Andy Reid tree, which helps him, but it's not like he was a highly touted head coach before he came to, came to the Eagles. The more that we go on as an organization, the more that I see that Doug Peterson may not be the head coach that we expected out of him. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But after 2017, going into 2018, everybody's thinking, oh, Mike Groh ran this offense. I mean, not Mike Groh. Frank Reich ran this offense. Great offensive coordinator. Did a great job. Doug Peterson is failing because he does not have Frank Reich with him. Everybody's like, no, no, it's fine. They'll figure it out. They did. They snuck by. 2019 snuck by again 2020 it's time to reflect because do you want to be an organization that looks at your head coach and said hey he gave us a super bowl a couple years ago hasn't really done much sense but we'll give him that super bowl he's he's all right we'll give him a little bit of a longer leash or do you want to be an organization that says we want to compete every single year is that possible i don't know it takes a lot to compete every single year But do you want to set the standard at competing every single year for a division title and get into the playoffs and make a run for a Super Bowl? Do you want that to be your standard? I think everybody should be nodding their head right now, yes. If if you're not, then you're not a true Eagles fan. You're not a true football fan if you don't want your team to compete every single year. So you need to hold your coaches and your quarterback more accountable when they are struggling. Get Doug Peterson some help. If it comes down to it at the end of the season, if we see the same performance that we saw against the Rams and the Bengals over 16 weeks, it's going to come down to a decision. I think the Eagles would definitely make a decision if they if they play this bad. If they have a four-win season, five-win season, they're making a decision. I think it starts with Doug Peterson. Moving on to the defensive side of the ball, we're talking about the cornerbacks. You know, the Eagles are very, very thin at cornerback, especially on the outside. Corner, inside cornerback, they're they're pretty set in the nickel with uh, Nickel Roby Coleman and Craven LeBlanc. On the outside, they're very very thin. They're lucky that they have good starters because um, if they something struggled, someone struggled and they had to bring in a backup cornerback, they're 
They don't have anybody to do that. Darius Slay, so good. He's so good. I think it's underrated how important it was adding him to this defense. He's basically taking receivers out of the entire game. Terry McLaurin really didn't do much against the Eagles. Robert Woods, when um, Darius Slay covered him, you know, Darius Slay had the better matchup. Um, A.J. Green, pretty much a non-factor against the Eagles last week. You know, he was on T. Higgins as well, played really well against Higgins. Um, Higgins, his, his scores, it wasn't against Darius Slay. Darius Slay goes down with an injury, and it kind of exposed how weak this cornerback group is. You know, Avante Maddox was hurt before. Darius Slay, it looked like a nasty injury. I'm, I'm glad he's okay because this team would be in shambles if Darius Slay actually went down long term. Darius Slay, he did something to his arm, you know, got rolled up on. Looked like he, like, dislocated his elbow or something. Something crazy, but he came back into the game, and he played his best football that I've seen him play in an Eagles uniform. He, if the Eagles won that game, it was because of Darius Slay. They came back and orchestrated a winning drive. Darius Slay was the one that put them back in that game. So he's really good. Maddox, he's going to be out for a little bit. Um, Lower body injury, so hopefully he gets back to normal sooner rather than later. After that, Trevor Williams came in. The very first play that Trevor Williams came in to uh, replace Avante Maddox was a touchdown. They targeted him right away. And I think Nate Gary is more to blame for this play because I put it up on my Instagram story on Bird's Banter. Um, You can check it out. It's it's highlighted under uh, film breakdowns if you're following us. Go check it out. Nate Gary just completely misread that play. He was kind of in a spy position on the play. He was, uh, you know, gauging if they were going to run a read, uh, not a read option, a uh, play action to Joe Mixon. So he clogs the hole just to make sure Mixon isn't going to run. He realizes Mixon doesn't have the ball. And he just stands there flat-footed. Mixon goes to the other side, and another defender picks him up. Nate Gary's just standing there. He's not playing a QB spy. You only need a QB spy Joe Burrow in the red zone. TJ Edwards is already doing that. Nate Gary was late to his assignment, caused a touchdown. After that play, I got to say, Trevor Williams played pretty well. I think Jim Schwartz is probably very, very satisfied because he doesn't have to bring in, he might have to bring in one cornerback, but he doesn't have to bring in two to replace Trevor Williams and uh, bring in somebody else. I do think the Eagles still need to bring a cornerback in just because you, you saw the lack of depth here. Um, you know, when Avante Maddox and Darius Slate both went down, it was it was painful. I know you can move Jalen Mills down, but um, that's really not something the Eagles want to do full term. So you got to bring somebody in um, on the inside. Nickel Roby Coleman has gotten starts most of the time, week one and week two. Craven LeBlanc actually had more snaps than Nickel or uh, Nickel Roby Coleman in week three. Very very surprising in my opinion, but rightfully so. Roby Coleman played pretty poorly against the Rams you know he went and said to Eagles reporters that he's gonna give the Eagles all the information that they need about the Rams offense help them win that game and then he couldn't even play well he he blew so many assignments gave up a touchdown to Tyler Higby was not playing well at all Craven LeBlanc comes in and he plays pretty well Craven LeBlanc has done everything that he can in his time with the Eagles to win a starting job but they never ever ever want to commit to him I don't think it's fair but now going forward, I think Cravon and Nickel are probably going to split a lot of snaps until the Eagles can determine who is going to be the better nickel cornerback 
on this team. I think Craven LeBlanc definitely has a beat out right now, but Roby Coleman has a lot more success. Not a bad problem for the Eagles to have because they're both very skilled inside corner. If one goes down with an injury, they're not going to regress at all on defense. I have two more things I want to cover before we end this podcast, but before we get to that, I want to remind you guys about Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a daily sports betting app for fantasy sports. Um, they have in week three they had over thirty thousand dollars in guaranteed prizes between all NFL contests and PGA. They have PGA, MLB, NBA, anything you want to bet on for fantasy, they have. So make sure you download the Thrive Fantasy app on the App Store or the Play Store, the Google Play Store. Make sure you download and use code BBP, the offer that they have right now through the Birds Banter podcast. New users that make their first deposit will receive an instant match of up to $50 when you make a deposit of $20 or more. So if you come in, make a deposit of $25, boom, $25 to your account. Make a deposit for $50, boom, $50 to your account. It's easy. You know, they, they make these bets about players that you know about the top players in fantasy. If you want to do NFL, you're going to be betting, betting on Lamar Jackson, Miles Sanders, Devontae Adams, players that you know that you love, so you make sure you have the best chance of winning a piece of that $30,000. So make sure, again, you check out Thrive Fantasy and use code BBP when you make your first deposit. All right, we have a roster move that the Eagles made Tuesday afternoon. It is... Bringing in wide receiver, I mean, tight end, Hakeem Butler, in replace, um, they're putting Dallas Goddard on the IR. So he's going to be out for at least three weeks, but it's definitely going to be more because he fractured part of his ankle. But anyways, Hakeem Butler, second year in the league, he spent his rookie year on the IR, was a fourth-round pick to the Cardinals. Cardinals let him go. Eagles end up snagging him off of the Panthers' practice squad. He went to Iowa State. It was a wide receiver. I looked at him a lot in this past draft class or two draft classes ago because he was a monster. In his senior year at Iowa State, Hakeem Butler had over 1,300 receiving yards and nine touchdowns. Insane production from the tall receiver. He's 6'4, and the Eagles are actually converting him to tight end. And when I saw this news, the first thing that popped to my mind was Darren Waller. Darren Waller, he went to Georgia State, um, obviously now the tight end for the Raiders. But he was a wide receiver in college. You know, had some trouble getting into the NFL with um, substance abuse and a lot of suspensions. But when he was with Baltimore, he was kind of a hybrid between a tight end and a wide receiver because, like Butler, he can run really well, but he also has the size to win inside and also use that to his advantage. So they, when he ends up getting to the Raiders, the Raiders put Darren Waller at tight end and really didn't look back. He's one of the best tight ends in the league right now. Um, top five, top seven for sure. So Darren Waller really comes to mind when I'm thinking about this Hakeem Butler situation because the Eagles are losing out on a very tall, athletic, speedy tight end in Dallas Goddard, and they're replacing him with another tall, athletic, speedy wide receiver in Hakeem Butler. He ran in the four fours at his 40-yard dash time in 2019, and um, you know again drafted in the fourth round. So he has a lot of upside. And hasn't really done anything in the NFL yet because he's been injured and was on a practice squad. But he's definitely going to get some action with Eagles because the Eagles love running 12 personnel. And Akeem Butler has the athletic ability to line up anywhere on the offense. He can line up at outside receiver, slot receiver, 
and tight end where he's probably going to see his most action. So excited to see Hakeem Butler. Just wanted to review this a little bit because it is interesting how they're trying to convert this college wide receiver to a tight end, but I think it's going to work to their advantage, and Carson Wentz is going to get another very helpful weapon um, down this tough stretch of the schedule. Looking forward to next week, the Eagles are playing the San Francisco 49ers Sunday night football. The 49ers, you know, looking into this game, if the Eagles were playing well, I would feel so good about it because the 49ers are so banged up. I feel bad for them. Jimmy Garoppolo's out, Debo Samuel, Joey Bosa, Solomon Thomas, Richard Sherman. That's just to name a few. I believe they still have some more injuries, but they're pretty banged up. You know, they got Nick Mullins under center, really no receivers. Uh, Their D-line is obviously not what it used to be with Bosa and Thomas out. So the Eagles are at, you know, a little bit of a better advantage here as as compared to if the 49ers were completely healthy because if a healthy 49ers came to play the Eagles right now, it would be a, a shutout. They would destroy the Eagles. But the Eagles have a better chance now getting back on track and trying to get a win here with this injury-riddled 49ers team. I'm going to give you guys two keys to victory to win this game and then two bold predictions for uh, you know the 49ers and Eagles game. Number one key to victory, limit the run game against the 49ers. The 49ers have great running backs. I know they're, they're banged up as well. Tevin Coleman is banged up. But I believe Raheem Mostert will be ready to play on Sunday. They also have Jarek McKinnon, who is very underrated running back. He had a great game last week against the Giants. If the San Francisco 49ers get their running game going and they can run all over the Eagles' defense, it's going to be a long day for the Eagles because they can rotate those backs very, very well. They have a lot of talent, very deep. That's what they're known for. So if you want to win this game, you have to limit the run game. Put the ball in Nick Mullins' hands. Make him throw it. They'll probably have George Kittle back, Kittle back, and he's going to have a monster game, especially if Nate Gary tries to cover him. But make sure that he has his only option is to throw to George Kittle. You don't have wide receivers to deal with, especially if Slay is going to be playing. You don't have – if you take the running backs out of the game, you don't have to worry about them. So all of a sudden, the 49ers' uh, offense is becoming very one-dimensional. That's what the Eagles need if they want to win this game. Have another great defensive outing that starts with limiting the run. The second key to victory, I'm going to talk about offense. And we're going to redefine the you know the identity of this team. It's going to be a run and short pass offense now. Miles Sanders, he needs to have at least 20 carries per game. Boston Scott needs 5 or 10 carries a game. Same with Corey Clement. I want to see the Eagles running the ball upwards of 40 times a game that's a lot it's really a lot but if the eagles want to get back on track they have to rely on the run um, miles sanders averaged more than five yards per carry against the Bengals. they kind of shied away from him i understand he said that he was um you know his conditioning was rough he said that in week two after the game and then in week three apparently he was still pretty tired towards the end of the game so they couldn't really rely on him too much but rotate him in uh the first quarter second quarter Put Boston Scott in, Corey Clement in, and make sure you're relying on the run. But also, rely on these short passes. Get Greg Ward involved more. He had a great game against the Bengals. Get him involved over the middle of the field. These short plays, keep the ball moving. Also, Zach Ertz. This is a prime position for Zach Ertz to prove what he's worth in a new contract extension. 
and get the ball early and often against the 49ers. Carson Wentz, he's been missing his best friend in Zach Ertz. He's been trying to force the ball in other places, but they're going to try to get back to basics here and make sure that Carson Wentz is playing throw and catch with Zach Ertz all game long down the field, hopefully to the first win of the season. My bold predictions, you know, I haven't been doing well with them so far, but I'm going to give you two more bold predictions for the game. Number one, I think Boston Scott is going to have a better game because they're going to try to steer a little bit more away from Miles Sanders um, early in the game because they want to make sure he conserves his energy for the stretch of the game if they need to actually pull out a victory. I think Boston Scott's going to have a great game. He's going to have 100 yards from scrimmage, both running, rushing, and receiving combined, over 100 yards. Second bowl prediction, Eagles are going to have more than five sacks for the second week in a row. Against the Bengals, they had eight sacks. I think they're going to have over five sacks against Nick Mullins and the 49ers. The defense is hungry to show that they are the best part, the best unit on this team, and Fletcher Cox and company are going to be coming through hot and heavy to make sure that they get Nick Mullins on the ground and try to get the ball back into Carson Wentz's hands so he can put some points on the board. All right, guys, that's what I got for you for today's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, the Eagles are 0-2-1. They really got to turn things around if they want to have a more successful season. Starts with uh, week four against the 49ers. This game is crucial because the Eagles are just half of a game back from first place in the NFC East. If they want to get back into this battle of the worst division of football, it starts here. Sunday night football against the 49ers. Make sure you guys are tuned in and make sure you subscribe on your favorite platform follow us on social media we got a lot of great content on instagram and twitter for you guys to all enjoy so make sure you're following us there again i appreciate all of your support make sure you check out thrive fantasy if you want to make some fantasy bets use code bbp that's what you got for today um hope you guys enjoyed it make sure you check in next week for more birds banter and let's go get our first win of the season go birds